Chelsea. Hi, Taryn. Hi, Karen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I just blew out everyone's ears. Whoops. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're here for it. We're here for it. Cass, welcome back to the year of Cass. Um, I Thank think, you. I don't know if an episode has gone by that we haven't mentioned you this year. <laughs> I know. It was so funny. I was hanging out with um, Angie at About Angie's Books. There's some underscores in there. Anyway, some people know who she is. Um, and <laughs> we were hanging out the other day in real life because we're real life friends too. And she was like, they mention you all the time. And I was like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just a presence. <laughs> just cool that I way. Go. I guess so, yeah. So thank you it's for not, making me an eternal part of your podcast. It's not even intentional. It just, you and Matt have become such like an, an important part of our lives. And it's just like natural to talk about you all the time. Yep. And it's just great. I mean, I feel the same way because I mentioned you you both in conversation all the time. Like Tim knows who you are, despite only like waving through blurry from the like, background FaceTimes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> Coleman frequently is like, "Who are you texting?" I'm like, "Taryn Madden Cast," and he's like, "Is that just a flow of names?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, they Tim- all. It's just." Terramatic cast. <laughs> yeah. That's Tim knows like, it's the bosom sisters. He's like, you're talking to the yep. bosom sisters. Tim knows. That's, that's the way we roll. That's the way we My, roll. <laughs> honestly, I don't know if we've met how, if if I have mentioned it or how many times I have mentioned it. It's one or the other. It's either 15 times or not at all. Um, on our group chat, the end of the chat name changes Jeez. pretty consistently. Yeah, pretty frequently. <laughs> and so it's bosom sisters and then... I don't even know what the original one was past was Bosom Sisters. Farming Queens or something. Yeah. Yes, I think that something. that feels right. But the current one is Bosom Sisters Mind Guidance of the Ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> because of a spam message that Mad got on Instagram. <laughs> Mad, this segment is just for you, my love, my yep. queen. <laughs> it's all, this, everything is for Mad. We're talking about Third of Glass, and Mad is our Aelin, and so yeah. she's our queen. Mm-hmm. Yes. She is. She is. Fine. Hundo P. Hundo P. <laughs> um, normally, we talk for a 50 million hours, but I feel like we're all really excited to talk about this book. <laughs> if you want, want any to, more... I just want to an, talk about it. <laughs> if you want any more of an introduction to Cass, go back to our uh, Folk of the Air trilogy episode which is a hot mess of an episode hot mess of an episode but i think that was the first time we had you on i think it was i think it was i took the very strong pro tail stance in that episode (laughs) i stand by it i stand by it as i do with all of my bizarre opinions I'm it. not pro tail, but I do feel like I've reached a neutral tail yeah. standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm not and pro I tail. Will. I'm not against tail. I'm just no. I'm, I'm against tail. So we will now cover the entire <laughs> spectrum of feelings for this body part. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, so we for our Empire of Storms episode, we split it into two parts just because these last three books we should have even done Crown of Midnight. Or, yeah. sorry, Queen of Shadows. Mm. But 
here we are. We're splitting it into two episodes because there's so much to discuss. So if you haven't read any of the prior books leading up to Tower of Dawn, please don't listen to this. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is off, be what full, are you doing? Full of spoilers for every single book leading up to this. Yes. And that you know, it feels like we shouldn't even have to give that warning because I feel like it's so intuitive, but also I know someone would be mad at us if we didn't Somebody's give that warning. Be mad. Yeah. yeah, so there is no spoiler-free section. We are still going to do our rankings at the beginning. Spoiler alert, it's five stars for all of us. <laughs> what? Uh, I know, five shocker. Billion. Yeah. Trillion. So we... So anyway, we'll still do the breakdown, but then we're just going to talk about the part one of this book. It is even marked in the book as part one. It's almost yes. exactly half of the book, which is really mm-hmm. convenient for review mm-hmm. purposes. Mm-hmm. And Cass is showing us the the baby. Do you have all <laughs> of the baby Throne of Glass books? I only have Tower of Dawn. <laughs> oh, that feels right. That feels on brand. <laughs> on par. On par. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm nothing if not consistent. <laughs> Since you just read Empire of Storms. Yeah. Do you kind of want to give us a quick, important tidbit? What's going on on the other side yeah. of the world or on the other continent? And then where did we last see Kale? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so we left off. I expect full acting and voices. So just. <laughs> oh my gosh. Go for that's it. a high <laughs> bar. Okay. So we left off at the end of Queen of Shadows. We have the big standoff with the king and Kale, my boy, my baby, my shining light. No magic, regular human. I want that to be clear. No assistance from any gods. None. He's just, just a guy. He is just a guy. And he faces <laughs> off against car. the king. Yeah, but don't, because he broke his spine already once. Um, technically twice. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. So he faces off against the king while Aelin tries to get Dorian free from the Volg influence. And Kale, my little baby boy, stands up against the king, not knowing that Aelin has put the Eye of Elena in his pocket, which does save him from certain death. But he suffers basically a really horrific spinal cord injury. Rowan heals the top part of him, but he is paralyzed from the waist down. And so it's Minus decided his at manhood. The, yes, that still works. <laughs> that's uh, really important. Yes. It's mental I mean, many times. Listen, it's that's important when someone is suffering from this kind of injury to understanding the depth of their injury. But it's decided he's going to go to the southern continent. Nesrin is going to go with him to the Torrid Chesme and to seek a healer to help them. Is that how also- you say that? Yes, I learned that in the audiobook. <laughs> say what? Chesme? Torrid Tor- Tor- Chesme. Ches- yeah. I've not been saying that right. Yeah. What have you been saying? I'm not, I want to say it now. <laughs> now I know it's wrong and I'm going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> So while he's getting healed, him and Nesrin are also going to act as ambassadors to try and get the Cognate to join the war in various forces. They have lots of different military aspects. While that's happening, our friends back in Rifthold, they leave Rifthold. Basically, the big thing, Rifthold gets sacked by dragons. Manon saves Dorian. Uh, Rowan then saves Dorian on top of that. And they all meet up in Skull's Bay and 
They get Rolf the on their side. one place Aelin would never, never. go. Never. <laughs> never. Um, Aelin does lots of scheming. She gets sends out all her letters to everybody she knows except for Kale and Nezrin. And <laughs> she calls in all her old debts. There's a They go in search of the, the lock for the keys so that that's like they've been told by Brandon's ghost, lots of different people that they need to find the lock. Um, her and Manon go on a little mirror adventure. Everybody meets up. Lorcan, like, accidentally, sort of, not entirely on purpose, because Aelin was like, oh my gosh, who are all these troops? And doesn't tell them that they're on their side. And then Lorcan's like, Maeve, help! And, um, <laughs> and then there's a big standoff. Maeve kidnaps Aelin. It's, it's a mess. So Aelin is MIA. And then we learn about the plan that her and Lysandra made to have Lysandra pretend to be Aelin and use Adian as a breeding tool. And yeah, it's yeah. So we we leave off with that happening. Cliffhanger, Maeve has taken Aelin. It's bad, bad news. And Rowan is very sad, understandably. Just devastated. Minorly. Uh, <laughs> and then people get the readers get very upset because I have to read a book about Kale. <laughs> and I have feelings about that. I'm anti-tandem read. Some people read these together. I don't know. Too much. Too much. Because I think the pacing of Empire of Storms is kind of a hot mess. <laughs> but that's a story for a different day. Um, yeah. And so basically we end with the cliffhanger and we jump in. Kale and Nestrin coming to the southern continent on their healing ambassadorial journey. That was beautiful. Good job. Wow. Thank you. I left out many important things, I'm sure. But okay, Alid yeah, and like, Lorcan being one of them. Alid and Lorcan. My baby. I've what seen a, a lot of people, though, who've been doing the tandem raid, and people seem to like it. And I... Well, it's because... I, <laughs> I don't know... I personally think it's too many POVs, because I think they're already in Empire Storms alone... There are already too many POVs. It's too oh, much. Yeah. I think there's just way too many. And it takes away from the story and it feels so disjointed and chaotic at times. But people don't want to sit with a cliffhanger. I think it's really important to sit with that cliffhanger because you need to sit in that with the characters and like take the space from that and be like, we don't know what's happening to Aelin. Just like those characters don't know. You as a reader need to sit with that time. It makes the impact so much better. And Tower of Dawn is like the perfect, not not palate cleanser, because you don't need a palate cleanser, but it's the calm before the storm. It's like, okay, it slows things down. It is slow paced, not boring, because I have a real problem when people say that things that are slow are automatically boring. Just because you personally might not have the patience for it does not mean that it's boring. Personally, that's I'm. There's got a lot of personal cast opinions in here. But <laughs> that's why we have you here. Yeah, you got to sit with the events that happen at the end. And Tower of Dawn is like it's the perfect place for this story because it allows you to sit in that. And also, the one thing that I love about this that I was going to talk about when we do the breakdown of world building is the way that this expands the world out. It's like we zoom out on the telescope and. 
there's some really important world building, obviously, in the sense that we learn some things towards the end of the book. But also just seeing that this war that we very much have viewed as this is Aelin's war. This is a Terrasen problem. This is an Aralia problem. It's so much bigger than that. This has ramifications across the entire world in these books, every continent. So I love the way that we get to see that and see what some of the different types of life are like outside of that. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. It's hard because, like, this, this is, I've said so many times, my second read-through. And I know when I first read through and you get to the end of Empire of Storms and you read that, it is really hard to not want to just immediately jump back in and be like, let's go rescue England. And I was one of those people that was like, ugh, I don't want to go. I don't want to read about Kale right now. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I want to know what happens with Aelin. But I feel like I got over it super quick. Like, Tower of Dawn draws you in pretty quickly. It took me all of, like, three, maybe, I think it was three to five chapters in that I was like, mm-hmm. I love this book. Like, this has, this story is also very compelling. So I feel like I, I sympathize with people when they, like, yeah. that first tough gut change. reaction. Yeah. But also, it's totally worth it. Like, I feel like this is... There's so many characters that I feel like are underappreciated in this yeah. story. Yeah. So. Like Nesrin. Nesrin. I mean, Kale, Kale, I know, Kale is a given. But Nesrin, I think my first read through, I loved the Kale and Irene chapters. But Nesrin, I was like, I don't care. Like once, like, you're great. I know you're doing good things. But I'm so invested in Kale and, I- and Irene's journey that I don't care about reading mm-hmm. about you. But this time around, I freaking love no. her. I, I had her. such a crush on Sartak. Yes. Like, from like the second we met him, I was like, yes, <laughs> this is the one. Yes, please. I would like mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I would also like uh, Rook fine yeah. prince to marry me, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And I think part of the reason why I'm anti-tandem read, too, is just it gives people, like, the excuse to continue hating on Kale, which I think is just, like, wild the way that people hate on a character that is actually, like, arguably the most well-developed character in the series. <laughs> um, his, I think his arc overall is the most well-done in the series, and I think that this book in particular is SJM's best writing, like, to date. It's, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's it shines. It really shines. Yeah. I Was it, okay, was it you guys? Who sent me the video, or maybe I sent the video, of someone asked um, SJM if Favor was going to be oh, with someone yeah. from the Throne of Glass world, who would it be? And she, she said Kale. Said Kale. He's loyal. He's loyal Let often to simmer. a fault. Yeah. Let that simmer. The impact of that. Somebody who is mates with Reese could also be with Kale. I just like Kale. Kale is so loyal often to a fault. That's part of his character <laughs> development. And like, I don't know. It's just so fascinating. And I think it's so interesting that often the things that people hate most about Kale are when he's acting the most like Aelin. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
And I'm like, okay, You're just because wrong. he's butting heads with Aelin doesn't mean you just hate that character. Like, he, listen, he has made some mistakes, but everything someone says to him as a critique, he responds first with anger because that's his mask for his fear his guilt, everything else, his anger is the front for all those emotions. But when people say the hard things to him, he genuinely takes all of that in. And it takes him a little while sometimes to like respond to it. But like when him and Aelin fight in Queen of Shadows, like they're both in the wrong. Like Aelin mm-hmm. blames him for abandoning Dorian and to get the collar put on him. It's like, Babe, what was he gonna do against the king? Also, like, where she were didn't you? know what was going on. She didn't know what right. happened in that in that throne room. Yeah, so it's like that part, and like Kale should not have called her a monster. But again, that's his fear about magic because the last in-person conversation, one of the last things in Crown of Midnight that they talked about before she left. So it was after the big gate opening. One of the things she said to him was, I had no control over my magic. So she said to him, I did not have control over it. Scares him, obviously, because she has a lot of power. So, like, his fear about magic is what drives him, and he calls her a monster, which is totally uncalled for, absolutely. But the part that he's right about is, like, people are going to be afraid of magic because, like, I think if we were implanted into this world, we would be frightened of that. Like, let's be realistic here, people. Mm -hmm. But also... One of the things that stands out to me is when he says he blames her, which is wrong because it's not her fault that the king started like coming down even harder on magic users after she took the stand at Mistward and Maeve's palace. Like when she does that big display of magic, like mm-hmm. it's not her fault that the king goes down harder on magic users in Rifthold, but it is a response. So like he's right about the fact that technically it is because of her. He said it in the worst way possible, absolutely. And Aelin knows in her heart, because she does feel a lot of guilt over that. And it is really unfortunate. But, like, it is a response to her being, like, Aelin is back. Which sucks, because then it, like, adds to her, like, strain on herself. So, did Kale do things wrong? Absolutely. There is no character in this series that is not flawed. They all do and say horrible things. <laughs> like, they all do. 100%. Yeah. I saw Except this video maybe the other a day. lead. <laughs> a and Irene. Well, Irene, well, she kinda, she's super judgy at the start of this book. She's okay. not giving him a chance. As and far she, as mistakes that people make in this series, also it's pretty low. Low. judgmental is yes, pretty but, chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But okay. <laughs> That's her worst crime. Yeah. Oh, she's okay. in good shape. She's in good yeah. shape. Yeah. Not her, her and Elite are like on the same level, I think. But yeah. <clears throat> but. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I just, like, people viscerally react to Kale because he's saying it directly to Aelin. And it's like, you have to understand, like, he became a pawn, a sham puppet of a captain of the guard. The king had a whole other set of guards doing what the king actually wanted done. Kale has been lied to for most of his, like, all of his adult life, certainly, most of his teenage years. Um, He left his life and found safety with the royal family. So of course he's going to be loyal to the king because 
his father was abusive to him. Jael left and was like, my mission is to protect Dorian. So obviously, Aelin poses a direct threat to Dorian just by being a royal of another territory. So like, he he has, (laughs) yeah, he has to think about that. And that like blocks him a lot of the time from getting to the right choices sooner. But like, that's his journey. And he he needs to go on his journey. And that loyalty that he feels to the king, because this is the place that he found meaning in his life. After, like, and then that's taken away from him. He feels useless. Like, and despite calling Aelin a monster, which still very wrong and made me mad every time, despite my love for Kale, it's mad. Aelin does a lot of things that make me mad, too. Like, that's great character yeah. development. But despite saying that and saying, like, magic users need to have restrictions, which, like, is honestly a fair thought for a regular human to have. Again, he doesn't handle it well. And anger is always his mask for his other feelings. But despite that, actions speak louder than words. And his actions are freeing all the the magic users he can. He's still doing the work that needs to be done. Despite being opposed to it in some way. Like, get a grip, people. Like, he's still, like, (laughs) helping Aelin in the long run, so... Tell us us how you really feel, Cass. Um, (laughs) The essay I put in our notes doc uh, says it all. (laughs) I do think that it's... I think the Kale conundrum um, is a good example of us being totally fine with morally gray characters, but having a hard time with lawful good characters. Yeah. Like we're totally Mm -hmm. fine with people just like murdering people for their, Mm -hmm. to like reach their end. Yeah. But when we have somebody who's like actively trying to follow the rules and do what they think is, is right and be good. We're like hard pass. Yeah. Plus, for Kale, not the most intelligent way to put that, but you you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And for Kale, too, it's like um, this is a quote from From Blood and Ash by Jennifer L. Armentrout. There's a quote in that book that is, It is much easier to be lied to than to acknowledge you have been lied to. That's where Kale is stuck. And I feel like, honestly, and it's so interesting to me because I feel like if Kale were a girl, People would not hate his character as much. And like, listen, I'm ready to hate a male character just as much as the next person. (laughs) But like, people hate Kale who love Nesta. And I'm like, there's some overlap there. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think it's... That's very true. And it's hard because like, I feel like I'm on a bit of a high horse when I talk about this because like, you can feel however you want about characters. And I'm like, I want people to look at how complex he is and think deeper about it. But like, at the end of the day, if you're enjoying the book, whatever, like, I'm not here to tell you, like, you need to do your homework and learn more about Kale. But I don't know. Cause like, there's a, a general like lack of empathy that people have like in society. And I think that carries over into the media that we consume and like the way people interpret characters. And I think that, Kale deserves just as much empathy as Rowan or Aelin, despite the bad things that they do. ADN, like, 
a lot of the characters do really terrible things to each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. So how do we feel about the plot of this book? <laughs> what? <laughs> this book? There's more to this book than Kale? <laughs> A whole lot more. I was Kale? just kidding, Cass! I was obviously I just kidding! <laughs> Listen, I kept track of the times that the POV changed. Not actual page numbers, and it's not just by, like, chapters, because some of the POV changes are, like, mid-chapter. But when you break it down, Kale is less than half of this book. Because you have Kale, Irene, and Nesrin's POVs. So it's like, if you're holding off on reading this book or complaining about it because you don't want to read about Kale, don't do yourself the disservice of missing out on the stories of these two absolutely incredible female characters. So, I don't know. Preach. Yep. I, yeah. Yep. But, 100%. <laughs> Chelsea, what did you give the plot? I gave the plot 5 out of 5. I've said this before, and... Took me like half a second to get into, but I feel like rereading it, it's even better than I remember it being the first time. And I found myself as we as we've been working our way through their books, I found myself looking forward to this book in particular. So five stars. Great book. I love it. <laughs> I I agree. Once I finished Empire of Storms, like, of course, it's heartbreaking, like, remembering all of the things that Maeve says about, like, manipulating Rowan into believing uh, that that What's-Her-Bucket was her, his mate. Like, it's horrible. But I set it down and I was like, I'm so excited to remember what happens in Tower of Dawn. Because I, I, I remembered the important parts, but there were so mm-hmm. many aspects that I forgot. And when I finished part one... I was, it took everything in me to stop me from continuing on because I knew I was going to get mixed up where part one ended. And so I, I, I wanted to keep reading and I was so interested in, in, yeah, in the characters, in Nesrin going and being with her family and the world building that happened purely from meeting Nesrin's family. And, oh, I just... It was, it's so good. And the ending of part one too, I forgot how intense part one ends. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Ah! Like, it's yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I think everyone will be shocked. I gave the plot a five out of five stars. I, <laughs> what? Who, who I am shocked that it's only five out of five. <laughs> no, she put an infinity symbol. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Perfect. All right. Te- technically, in the notes, it's an infinity symbol. I just think this plot has, like, so many things that I, as a reader, love. And it's this book, I feel like, is a perfect respite from the chaos of, like, the classic SJM book. Like, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. But uh, this it's got love, healing, acceptance with self, uh, growth mystery adventure freedom it truly political has intrigue political intrigue yes i feel and like you're the grandpa at the beginning of the princess bride trying to sell the <laughs> book to his grandson <laughs> sword fighting yeah i mean it's not bad too is this a kissing <laughs> book oh is it yes, ever it is. <laughs> um it, and this might be toxic of me but like <laughs> 
I cannot wait to hear what comes out of your mouth. <laughs> Something? Okay, this is ethically wrong. Like, ethically, this is a no-go. Healer, patient, no. We do not. Like, that's crossing a boundary. <laughs> But there's something about it that I absolutely eat up, like full meal. I love it. And I will say, like, so much of the fanfic that I read is like, okay, Harry Potter fanfic specifically. That's like the only type of fanfic I read. But it's like, (laughs) Dramini, one of them is a healer. One of them is getting hurt all the time. Or even like, Drary, same, same concept. One of them is a healer. One of them is a healer. It's like, this, it's probably one of the most toxic things about me that I like enjoy, but <laughs> I'll own it. I absolutely I eat it up it. every time. I'm like, Ooh, yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Hippo, what? <laughs> I would Fine. never in real life support that, but. It's a fantasy world. It's a made-up book. It's like, fine. We'll real allow people. it. Thank you. Thank you, because I love it. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. Character development, Chelsea. All right. I'm just saying, one of my favorite things. I gave this, I wrote down five bajillion out of five. One of my favorite things about Throne of Glass, in particular is the beautiful ensemble. And it is a large ensemble. And Mm -hmm. at this point, you're like, what, six, 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 the seventh book? You're deep in the series. And the first time I was like, I'm not going to care about any of these characters, right? Like at this point, you've got so much of a connection with these other characters. And then my girl SJM's like, Irene, here, Nestrin's development, Sartak, Hafiza, Hassar, boom. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, it's fine. I love all of them. Like, they're just, I, she, she did such a good job. And if we're just talking about development, obviously, Kale's development from start to finish and his journey is, and Irene's all of their journeys, all of their journeys are just beautiful. But I feel like this book is written to be a character development book. And mm-hmm. I feel like it really shows because I love all of them with all of my heart. And I would die for any one of them. Thank you. <laughs> I, when I was listening to this, I sent Cass probably 50 quotes as I was reading it. And Irene's, Irene calls out his crap so early on. And so I good. love that for them because <laughs> I also mentioned to cast too about this book of like, I feel like there was true maturity in this book because yeah. when Nesrin and Kale decide to part ways and uh, move on while Kale has a harder time because he feels like he has failed in some way in another way in his life, he's failed to take care of Nesrin, but she's mm-hmm. like, no, we're good. It's okay. And they just move on. And I was like, wow, that, can you imagine that being in book three? Absolutely not. Um, Low key, I actually feel like Nesrin could have handled that a little bit better. I just feel like over a note, I feel like she could have been like, give me five minutes and had a face. Anyway, I don't know. Not the point. Yeah, but it would have ended with him snapping at her like he was doing. So I feel like he kind of deserved that. (laughs) 
I know. I, I just... <laughs> I'm a, maybe I'm old fashioned, but I'm a big proponent of if you're going to end a relationship. But did they have a real relationship? They had a relationship. They were, were they? Here's the thing. I don't, I don't know if I ever truly considered them as a couple. Like they considered each other a couple. Like kind of. Kale like, literally they, says, yes, I'm with Nesrin. And, like, I feel I, like here's it was a weird relationship, but I with still feel like. It's not like, I don't know. That's, like, a still a fluid thing. Like, they're, I feel like they're each other's Kale, band-aids. Yes. I feel like Kale felt a sense of responsibility for her. That's mm-hmm. not the same thing as love. And that's no, not the same thing as a saying... romantic relationship. I think that they happened to be together. They found solace with each other. But as soon as they got to this new world, their differences became so obvious. And I do mm-hmm. not fault Nesrin at all for parting ways the way that she did. I'm not saying that they were... like. I feel like it's very obvious to everyone, including Nesrin and Kale, that like they are not working out. They're not. But I feel like... They were at least in a point that they both considered each other exclusive, right? Like that was a, like a thing, and I feel like that is that is a relationship. And I feel like I not I not that I it's a big enough deal. Like I'm not mad at Nestor for ending it over a note, but I'm just over saying text. I oh, honestly though, like I feel like it would have taken so little effort to go. The extra step of just being like, give me five minutes and saying, I'm leaving with Sartak. Um, I hold like the exact note, keep it brief and walk out. But I feel like do it in person. And maybe I'm being ridiculous and old fashioned, but I personally, that is one thing that does bug me where like, if I got broken up with over a text, I would over a, a note, I too would maybe not react okay. well to that. <laughs> But, like, two days before that, Kale is sitting at the party and, like, sees Nesrin and Sartak, like, super close to each other and is like, I'm not jealous because I trust her. It's like, no, buddy, you're not jealous because you're you not jealous because you don't nothing. feel anything. They've had an entirely platonic relationship. A relationship, yes, but it never passes into, like, actual romantic. In Queen of Shadows, they got very, very close and were mistaking it for romance, I think, because they were like, we're here for each other. But I mean, it, they definitely—I don't know—they were definitely together. Like they were using each other. They were just know, using each other. But that's, yeah. Whether it was a healthy relationship or not, it was a relationship that deserved to be ended. Anyway, I'm—it's fine. It's fictional couple, and it's fine. Here's—I think the note was generous. <laughs> yeah. Here's my rude thought. Okay. <laughs> If I was Nesrin, I would feel bad running in, saying, bye, I'm leaving, and running out knowing Kale cannot follow her. Kale is not physically able to, like, chase after her to have a conversation. She's just going to be like, peace out, bye, and just, like, run. And he's, like, trying to roll down the hall, like, Nesrin, let's talk about it. And she's like, I cannot run you. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, feelings of that aside, we're talking about character development. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine. I was going to say, like, I feel like a lot of things were handled fairly maturely. 
Because I yes. think an immature thing would have been for her to leave and not say anything. Yeah. And for Kale to find out through, like, at dinner when he's like, why didn't Nesrin come back? And one of the princesses is like, oh, didn't she hear? She left. Like, oh. But that feels like book two or three. That feels like something many of them would have done in book two or three. So, yeah. How things that's, are that's, handled, I think. That's valid. Okay, thank you. Plus, he was um, off with Irene when she left anyway. Exactly! So. She did, He didn't get home until late that night because... No, the next, the next morning. morning. Nestrin was gone. The next yeah, he morning. didn't even realize Nestrin was gone. Because he stayed in the, I'm like, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, I, I hate to prolong se- this. My second point about character development is we see our boy go from... what's I texted Cass this quote. There is no one in Aurelia, or how did you say it? Aurelia? I don't know how you I, pronounce it. I don't know. There is no one in Aurelia who loathes me more than I do myself. Which has oh, been like, the case that, for like three books now. Like, yes, but that is now. said so early on in the book. Like, he realizes that Irene doesn't like him, and he's like, valid, valid point, yeah. valid opinion. I have mm-hmm. no fight with you. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I suck. And she's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. So mm-hmm. we go from that to the confidence with which in part two they like are able to leave together which isn't mm-hmm. our discussion today. Like that man ugh, and Irene, we see Irene initially in an in in a terrible condition. Ugh, I cannot wait to get to the point where they, she makes connections. Where dots are oh, connected. I can't. I'm <laughs> so excited. But anyway, I'm sorry. So character development, I say five out of five. I love all of them. And I'm yeah. so proud of all of them. That is Absolute awesome. same. <laughs> Absolute same. Um, infinity out of five, again, for everything in this book. But this is like some of SJM's best character development work in any of her books. But mm-hmm. in in the Throne of Glass series, it is only on par with Era Fire. Like those two, Era Fire mm-hmm. and Tower of Dawn, are like tied for me. I would say I personally, just because like I like the story of tower of dawn so much i think i put it a little higher but they're like realistically on like the same level of character development it's respective healing journeys for different characters and it's just so well done and the thing that really stands out to me which this is technically part two but the way kale accepts that like his life is permanently changed as a result of this injury and he never goes back to what he once was physically, but the way that he grows to accept that and be like, I'm just as much of a man in the wheelchair as I am without. And I think that that's such a well done part of it. Like he goes from resenting the chair and hating it to accepting it partially due to like the help of Shen, the other guard who um, has a prosthetic arm. But I just think that that's, kind of an underlooked part of his character growth for a lot of people. And I just thought it was so beautiful the way that he does come to accept that. And that like SJM was like, you know what? No, he's going to stay as a wheelchair user in some instances. Like he is not full bodily abled anymore. And I like that she stuck to that because so many times in fantasy, especially we see like, oh, magic healed them. They're fine now. And it's like, that's not, not always the case. because they're fully healed. 
they can they do great can, things. They can do great things. But Kale yeah. still does such important and helpful and wonderful and good things in book seven. Just like not even just I don't even want to say despite, but because of yeah. because yeah. of that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes him oh. better for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But oh. right, character development, I iconic, legendary. Just... So good. So good. Chelsea, I don't know how we're gonna discuss Kingdom of Ash. It's good gonna be a hot mess. That. I'm so I... excited. Oh, I can't even think about it. Okay, a world building. We've talked about it a little bit. I know we're yeah. all five yeah. stars. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, I, I feel like this feels like this, like after series that sometimes we get where it's like same world, different, different story. Mm. I feel like we got that, but also continuing the main story. I loved being on the Southern continent. I loved seeing like the breakdown of the political system of like, yeah. Okay. This King got in because he killed his brother in a fight to the death. Yeah. Like, that's, it's just great. Like it's just really cool to see how everything works and the peace that's been able to be sustained in this continent. And oh, it was just so good. It was so well. Good. And I, I feel it. like it plays an act- actually a really important role in Kale's he- healing of giving him hope for the future. Of like, he starts to think even just in part one, like, oh, I'm going to tuck like this thing away. Like maybe Dorian and I can implement this when mm-hmm. we like rebuild or like wow, that's a cool thing. I wish that I want to like take a piece of, like he's learning from this new continent. And I feel like it gives him a chance to hope for a better future There's in a so time in where book. he feels not very hopeful, you know? Yeah. And for me, like I already talked about the big aspect of the world building and how we see that this war has ramifications outside of just what we've seen so far. And it's a Mm -hmm. lot bigger than just Aelin and her court. Um, So I love that aspect of it. But what I also love is how similar to some of the Akatar courts this book is and how a lot of the clothing and architecture that we see and like the similarities between this library and the library in A Court of Silver Flames. I just think it's really interesting to see some of those similarities and I thought it was just cool. I I really liked it. Don't stress me out like this, Cass. Don't stress me out like this. I'm not stressing anybody out. You're stressing me out. (laughs) I'm stressing myself out. But like, I just think it's really like there were so many things that so many pieces of imagery that were similar that I was like, that's really cool. I like that she did that. Yep. Anyway. Bombastic um, side eye. <laughs> Bombastic. Um, okay, finally pacing. I agree with what we have already said. This is a wonderfully paced book. I I am constantly I I was I kept being shocked by how well this book was written. Because mm-hmm. in the past year I have read almost the entirety of SJM's works because I've been rereading the Akatar series. Um, I think I finished Silver Flames end of last year. So I've done all of Akatar. I've read Crescent City, both of them. And I love, I love, I love the story in this book. And I think part of it, I know we've talked about Chelsea and I, especially like in many episodes of, I want to say that I'm going to be, the alien of every story where if I was in a magical world, I would be fighting for everything. I wouldn't let anybody tell me not to do something. I'm going to be fighting, fighting, fighting. 
that's not actually me. Like in real life and in a story, I guarantee that's not the part that I would play. I would play a more supportive role. And I love being able to see these characters who are playing such important supporting roles, but are also very happy and com- and like uh, content with the role that they play. I don't think Irene for the rest of the story is like, I really wish that I was right hand of Aelin wanting to punch down walls. She's very content and happy doing the thing that she's been blessed to do. And I feel like Kale, in part of his journey in this, comes to the point where he's very happy with what he has to offer to the world. And mm-hmm. so the 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 way that this story is told, I think, connected with me a lot more this read around or read through, because I'm like, I feel this like this is where I would actually play a part in this scheme and all of the schemes that take that like play through in this story. Sorry, that was a lot more than pacing, but I just think it's so beautifully told. And mm-hmm. the pacing is, yeah. it's exciting, but also like just lets me kind of marinate in the experience. That is all. Yeah. I Definitely. talked a lot, I'm sorry. No, I agree. And I think that this is, and I think I said this earlier too, is that I think this is the best paced out of any Sarah J Moss book, just because... Like, it's a steady flow, and there are little spikes of action, but, like, especially coming off the tail end of Empire of Storms, Empire of Storms is, and it's as a result of so many different POVs and so many different things happening, it is so scattered and so all over the place. So, like, this follows more of a traditional storytelling route, which... Like, a lot of times with her books, you have that massive, like, last hundred pages, crazy chaos. Like, this has that. It has big moments at the end, but it's not as, like, in the, contrast the with the is, rest of the book. Like, it all the makes sense The journey's a lot together. more even rather than yeah. up and down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate the pacing of this. And I personally, and this is part of why I connect with the story so much, too, is that I really personally prefer slower paced books. Like I love something that I can just soak in every word of it and just like gradually unfolds around me. So that's something that I personally really like, which you don't necessarily find in a lot of her writing. It's more like bam, bam, bam. But this is like steadier, even keel, which I really appreciate. And it shows kind of her um, talent as a writer and like her ability to like, write in almost different styles like this feels different from everything else she's written which is probably in reality why like a lot of people don't like it because it doesn't feel like an sjm book it feels like you could like almost remove this from the world and like still enjoy it in a lot of ways i i definitely agree so i also gave pacing a five star i feel like you guys covered it really nicely so i'm not going to add anything additional other than yeah it's it's solid. It's everything. It gives what needed to be gave. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But um, I feel like we've talked a lot about stuff that's happened in it, but I do feel like there are a few things that we... There's a lot of things we still need to talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nesrin, Nesrin's panic and her guilt over her family... I feel like was one of the first things that I noticed in this book is I honestly 
don't feel like I paid enough attention to Nestor in the first time through. And on this read through, I freaking love her. And it's kind of, it was really hard to kind of see her panicking. And I also felt like it was frustrating to see like, and I think Kale notices, but I don't feel like he even realizes the extent to which Nesrin is concerned. Well, I think that's part of why they never really worked out is because she mm-hmm. is so often just a closed book. And Kale really needs someone who's going to be like direct and open about things. And yeah. that that whole scene where they're finding out about the attack on Rifthold is so brutal. Just like the callous way that the cognate and like the Coggin and all his children talk about this is so brutal. So brutal. And like Kale doesn't realize how much it's really impacting Nestrin because like one, he doesn't really have, like he's worried about Dorian primarily. Like that's his big mm-hmm. focus is like Dorian. What happened to Dorian? But like Nestrin hasn't like ever been open about like how important her family is to her. And that's like, top for her her family yep. means everything to her but and and like I said i it makes sense why they don't work out in that like nesrin is so closed off and so not closed off but like she's stoic. not a naturally yeah she's stoic that's good it was like not a very super expressive person and i think like first time arene walks in the room I'm pretty sure that is not the time. It's the first time that you're like, hmm, a man who doesn't know how to talk about his feelings. Yes. So you have a man who doesn't like talk about her process, his feelings. And you've got a woman who isn't great about sharing her feelings. And it's like, yeah, okay. No wonder they don't yeah. quite mm-hmm. work out in the end. But yeah. that first, that first meeting with Irene and Kale was so much funnier than I remembered it. Not not funny. It's not funny. It was kind of funny. Like it is. (laughs) (laughs) And then the way she's just writing over and over the names of the people that she lost is just like, oh, it's like the knife in the heart. Oh, It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Her like coming in and then her going, Hafiz is also low-key one of my favorite characters ever. When Mm -hmm. Irene goes back and she's like, I behaved poorly. And Hafiza was like, yeah, I mean, that was to be expected. And she's like, no, I'm like embarrassed to tell you how poorly I behaved. And Hafiza's like, then don't. Do better next time. And it's a lesson. Like, yeah. but just her, Do, then don't. <laughs> then don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Do the next right thing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just like, I... Hafiza is incredible. I am co- she she has to Both. know. She has to be like a seer or something or her just co- connection to the magic must give her this extra insight cuz you can tell she knows from the bi- very beginning that like this is what both of them need. They need each other to like tackle their own biases and like get over themselves and their egos. Mm -hmm. And it's just so incredible. The way Hafiz is like, Nope, you have to do this. (laughs) Learn. She gives them in my head. She gives the same energy as Julie Andrews. (laughs) Like in my head, she's just like this very regal old lady who's like, so graceful and not not even just like physically, but just like a graceful person. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. It's the same energy. I love 
how as Irene and Kale come to know each other, that it, I love the progression of their relationship. I feel like mm-hmm. it's, cause I feel like things are going well, going well. Um, like Kale's able to get on the horse and he's like having some of like, he's just so excited to be there. And then they go to, when they go to the self-defense class, which she's invited him to the self-defense class. So that's huge too. And then the way that he's treated and everything, like that whole process that happens. That was painful. Oh, it was so good. Like I, it was so painful to read and I was like, oh no. But the way that it's resolved and the conversation that comes from it, I just love that it wasn't a perfect falling into love. I I just Mm -hmm. am so happy that it wasn't perfect. I feel like they have a very realistic flow in their relationship. Yeah. Down to like, when is it that someone says something in front of Kale and she's like, hard no. And he's like, oh, I was going to talk about that. I didn't realize that was a hard no. When he goes with her to visit her patients. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She goes to visit the the mother that had just given birth not too long ago. And then this is the most beautiful one of, not the most beautiful, because there's like eight of those that I'll say is the most beautiful moment. (laughs) But Kale, the first time Kale thinks that Irene is really beautiful and he recognizes that is when she's laughing and smiling with this woman, just like effortlessly being her hopeful self. And it's so beautiful. I love it so much. Oh, it's so good. It's so interesting because I feel like Irene has all these like, I'm going to put them in quotes, friends in the palace, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And none of them seem to notice or care how uncomfortable she is with a lot of the crap that happens. And I feel like Kill, like, recognizes that because he also feels like a lot, he feels a lot of that himself of like, this is not where I'm comfortable. But they just, they recognize and compliment each other in very interesting ways. Mm -hmm. Down to like, towards the very end of part one, when he, like, tells her off and is all mad at her and she, like, storms out, right? Because Nesrin's gone. And then she realizes, and she's, like, going to storm back and be like, look, you don't get to tell me when the session's over. I tell you, right? Like, that's her intent. And then it's the attack. And then it's the attack. But then after the attack, you cut to Kale's point of view where he's like, I was waiting all afternoon for her to come back and berate me. Yes. And then it's that whole scene is so good because that's like the moment that things really do like an about face for Kale because he realizes like he would die for Irene in that he was like, I would sacrifice myself for her. I need to be stronger to be able to like, she thought she was safe with me and I'm like a scrap of what. I was in terms of strength. So that's when he, this, the way that part one ends with him going to see Hashim and start training is training. so good. And when he says she, to Irene, uh, when he says to her, when the attack is like about like, not an actual like attack. Cause like they hide and it's fine. But when he says to her, um, don't you waste one heartbeat being afraid of a coward who hunts women in the darkness. I was like, yes, my boy, you tell her. And then, there, oh. and then SJM drops another, I'm not afraid. Oh. It's so good. It's so God, she wasn't afraid. I was afraid. <laughs> when, when Irene turns down caution, 
and is like, no, I'm going to stay. I feel safer here. I just can imagine Kale just being like, this is the best moment of my life. Yeah. Like, you know he, like, puffed up his chest a oh, tiny yeah. bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But, I, but, like, that whole thing was so important. Because, yeah, like you said, like, she felt safe with him despite him feeling like he was a shell of what he used to be. Yeah. And so, I'm like, that moment of him being like, wait. Yeah. I'm more than just my physical strength. Mm-hmm. I am so many other things. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Gosh, Not to mention, I, he kind of, like, uh, reclaims his life in this moment a little bit. Because he's like, I can still be strong in this chair. I can still be this for her in this chair. And it's mm-hmm. so good. And they're, like, not even, like, in love yet. And he's like, no. his thought is, like, I would do anything to buy her time. He would literally, and that's the thing about Kale. Kale is, like, always just kind of like Aelin, always just ready to sacrifice himself for someone else. And like we see that multiple times. And this is an interesting thing that I think about from Crown of Midnight is like, if Dorian hadn't intervened, I fully believe that Kale would have let Selena kill him. Like he would have just given up and been like, yep. Like, yeah, I I mean, I think he even says at one point in this book, he's like, I wish that I wish that Mm -hmm. that had been it. Mm hmm. Which yeah. is they just the way, and it's so fascinating to me that Kale and Aelin are so similar in their like core being. Like they both have this like self righteous, self sacrificing tendency, and I just they're like two All sides of the, of the same coin. Tri- I feel like the original trio complement each other so well in their mm-hmm. flaws and strengths. Yeah. And to see how each of them grow is just, I just love them. I would die for any of them. And I know we've already said that, but like, I love these. Mm -hmm. So my friend Madison, not the same Madison, a different Madison. I have too many Madisons. She is reading through this series for the first time. And so she's in like halfway through Kingdom of Ash. She's also giving birth next week. And so she just is, she's going through it. Okay. It is so fun to see these stories and these characters through another person's eyes for the mm-hmm. first time. And yeah. it is so just, it makes me love these characters more to watch other people fall in love with them. And I just love, I love them. I love them. I'm yes. so sorry. I love them. And then like, there are just so many great moments. Like there's one point where I think it's after a healing session where they realize they've missed a meal and Kale's like, no, stay and eat with me. And he is genuinely shocked that Irene stays and eats with him. Because he's like, why would anyone want to spend any time with me? And it's so, just again, the similarities to Aelin and the way that they both like take everything that everyone says to them and add it onto their little like self-loathing pile of feelings is wild to me. And just like, it's so wild. They're so similar. (laughs) And Nesrin just going on her little little adventures and dreaming of a better everything. Her, her thought process, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but when she like says, like, I deserve an adventure, like, I mm-hmm. deserve this, I was like, good for you. You do. You 100% do. do. Mm-hmm. I love her so much. But and just, just like the way... Just her growth, too, and just the way she feels like a replacement for two of Kale's ex-girlfriends. Because, like, what's-her-face 
from before like we even the story starts Please I don't her. Glass. yeah whatever yeah. her name was and then that's when him and Nestrum first got together and then after Selena breaks his heart um Nestrin is the replacement and Nestrin is like you know what I'm tired of being a replacement I need to do this for myself she, she's Can like I'm not a Sartak the way that he talks about her when I, cause like I totally forgot that she was like well known because she's so yeah. downplayed in yes. Queen of Shadows because of the the most powerful people ever in existence uh-huh. being uh-huh. there. So to see Sartak be like, I know things about you. You are so cool. I was just like, meets Sarah. Yeah, their whole, the, yeah, I was like that whole conversation where she's like, do you know that people call you the winged prince? And he's like, Yes. And he's like, what about you? And he nicknamed She's like, no, I'm not important enough. He's like, we call you Neat's Arrow. <laughs> and just the way that he just admires her so much. And he tries so hard to, like, hide it and play it cool. But it's, like, just, like, watching their, like, little budding, like, friendship and then something else is so... Oh, it's just so it was, well done. I, I stand by it was never friendship on Sartak's no, part. Bro, bro, no, like, no. It was 100% he fell first and like, he canoodled yeah. his way into that relationship. Him, when she shows up at the tavern, she's like, what, you were going to leave without saying goodbye? He's like, I assumed you'd still be with him. And she's like, um, at, like, at this late hour, he's like, I would take all day. <laughs> yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I, I definitely, so I was much. like, ooh, all right, I'm blushing a little. It's fine. Like, <laughs> I think one of the most tame comments him. in the entire series. Right? I freaking loved it. <laughs> it's so that whole That whole party, the whole party situation, I just... Look, here's the thing. All right. I, mm, this is why I don't do drugs, people, because then you end up canoodling people in corners. And then it's like, what do you got to do with the consequences of that? And then your girlfriend slash not girlfriend anymore breaks up with you. And, and, you know, it worked out for the best. It was all for the best. But, like, Mm -hmm. And it's also, like, part of Kale's growth is going from, like, I owe it to her and he has this like weird sense of loyalty and when Selena's in Wendland too he has this of like I cannot Mm -hmm. do anything else blah 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 and like it's like dude you're putting that on yourself and like he's it's part of his growth and this is one thing I hate that SJM does is she makes a lot of the male characters growth dependent on the female characters um, which I think is like come on like let's do a little better than this let's have more of it come from within instead of like oh the girls all have to teach them these lessons but he he's like putting those feelings onto them like Nesrin doesn't Mm -hmm. like feel that attachment that he thinks that he owes her so it's just like a really interesting dynamic um within the book well, and I feel like Nesrin even knows it, which I feel like is why she, like, not only does she, like, break up with him, but she makes it very clear, like, I'm breaking up with you. I'm going to do whatever I want with whoever yeah. I want. You, you can do Like, she has to explicitly tell him, mm-hmm. move on. Like, and then even then, he's still hesitant about it. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, no, I can't. Like, he 
goes through this whole stretch of panic and it's like dude just kiss irene like come on <laughs> just, just and then just the whole time, i'm also just like the whole first half of the book i'm like nesrin just kiss sartak please just Kitchen. Just do it, please, for me. The, theirs the is even time, slower, slow burn. Yeah, the first it's the time slowest of beautiful that Sartak is like waiting for her, and she's like, "What are you like? Why are you here?" He's like, "You just left the palace armed to the teeth. Did you think nobody was gonna notice?" And she's like, "Oh, <laughs> nobody's noticed me before. Nobody's cared." And I was like, yeah. "He does. He, he knows her he knows. so Stand well." In there. Yeah. Uh, I also so low key love the conversation that she had where he starts talking about his spies, right? And what he's learned. She's like, you've got a lot of information. Like, I thought, I think she said, she's like, I thought Argun was like the spy master. He's like, no, he's just the obnoxious one about it. Like, and that was the first time that I feel like you see there's more to Sartak than just being a like rook riding warrior. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, he's got he's got skills and abilities beyond that. Mm-hmm. He just isn't showy about it. He's and got that look factor. He's got that ant factor, and I'm I here for him. it. I love him. I cannot believe that anyone would ever even talk about skipping this book and missing out on Nesrin and Sartak's story. Honestly, it would be such a disappointment. Mm-hmm. But and just like. Every I just love this book so much. I, I can't even form coherent thoughts at this point. But to bring it back to Kale and Irene and the actual like process of healing, I think also like people take Kale's worst moments and focus on that. But like he is at his core like truly a good and like very noble person and like this weird sense of like nobility and like being just gets in his way like that lawful good thing. But what stands out to me is the moments where after they do a healing session, he always makes sure Irene gets the first cup of tea. He always asks how she is first before she even as the healer asks how he is. And he, after one of like the first times that they work on healing, he asks her if it like hurts her to heal him. And he says that he would rather not be healed if it, was having an impact on her that he would rather just not be healed than have someone else bear that pain for him. And I'm like, and the how can you hate kids? I I love the scenes from Irene's perspective at the end of the healing session when she looks and realizes it's been hours, and she's yeah. like, "He didn't tell me to stop once because he thinks he like, deserves it. He's like, he this is my punishment. He deserves it." And I just like. Honestly, I don't see how anyone can still hate Kale after he apologizes to Aelin and tells her she was right and then faces the king knowing that he's likely going to die because he has no magic and is just just a guy. He's willing to sacrifice himself for everything. Yeah. 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 And especially, I feel like one of the things that I liked is as we, as they're doing the healing, I, A, love the visualization of the fighting of mm-hmm. the injury, but the flashbacks and like that first time that she comes in and she's like, I heard you screaming. So I came to help. And I was just like, Oh yeah. Okay. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. I'm not crying. You're crying. But like, the things and that just he like, just, 
Yeah. And the way we learn more about how his father actually treated him, because you can assume before this that his father is a terrible father. And that's part of the reason Kale left. But seeing that Kale has taken on that guilt of leaving his younger brother in that situation. Yes. And it's like, that's where like, part of Kale's like, I must protect Dorian comes from because he already left one brother behind. And he's like, I'll be damned if I'm leaving another brother. And that's why that guilt eats at him so much. Because at the end of the day, he did have to leave Dorian too. And it just like, his, his self-loathing how Dorian. He doesn't yeah. know how Dorian is doing in this moment. He thinks that he got away because they couldn't find the king. But he has yeah. no idea maybe the witches took him. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe somebody was able to get him out there. Maybe he ran away on his own and is lost somewhere. He has no idea where Dorian is. No idea. Yeah. And again, it's like his anger is always his mask for his other feelings. And this is something that like in the work that I do now, like in my job, like we talk a lot about underlying needs and that behavior is a communication of an underlying unmet need, right? So, and one of the things we talk about is like when we talk about behavior with people and we talk about like having angry reactions, anger is never the root emotion. Anger is building off of something else. And for Kale, a lot of the time it's fear and guilt. And And it's like, yeah. And that's where that anger is coming from. And like, Anytime he's fighting with anyone, he's not angry at them. He's angry at himself for be he considers himself a failure, oathbreaker, all that stuff. And he's now like, okay, now I'm supposed to be this ambassador. I haven't even talked to the Coggin once. Like he's like, now I'm failing them even in this. Like the least I can do talking to someone and I'm still failing them. And like he lashes out at people. And like, is it an appropriate response? No. But like by the end of the book, he starts to work on that and realize it. I just love them all so much. I love them too. This book is just Can we so talk good. about the scene where Irene shared that memory of her mom? Oh. I don't know. Yes. Can we? Can we? I don't know what to say. It's just the give and take in their relationship and in both Mm -hmm. of their healing processes is just so beautiful and I love it. It really is. It's so good. And just like her being like, I needed to find a happy memory. And then that for her, that's like the first time she's really remembered her mom in a long time. Oh, when she goes in the garden cries. And again, they finish that healing session and Kale goes to check on her. It's like, Baby girl, you are the healer still. <laughs> but like, I respect her and all her decision making, honestly. She, she's like one of I the only characters her. where I'm like, you did the right thing every time. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so yeah. much. She's just such a boss. And uh, uh, I love her. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Who in their right mind? And she even says this, like the number of times people call her a fool. It's like, I've been in this country for two years. I learned most of the language. The prince wants to marry me. I've been chosen as like the heir apparent for the healer on high. Like she's got it made in the shade here. And she's like, no, no, I will not marry you. No, I will not inherit this title. I'm going to do what I feel like is the right thing for me to do. 
Like the right thing for me to do is to go back and like go to war. And it's just, just mad respect, man. Yeah. Mad respect for not ever wavering mm-hmm. from that commitment and like promise that she's made to herself because Loki, I probably would have. <laughs> and I know this is next book, but Kale growing enough to allow, to be okay with her doing that because mm-hmm. Kale in book one and two would have forced, tried to force her to stay on the Southern continent. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that was part of his issue with Aelin is not like, or when she's Selena is like when she's going assassin mode. And I see so many memes where it's like when Kale finds out the assassin assassinates people and it's like, that's not what he's upset about. He's upset that she's in that position and that she turns into this completely other person. And you got, you know, that's got to be weighing on him with Irene, but he's like, no, she can be a self-assured woman and can handle this. And it's like, obviously we wish that he had had that before, but his arc over the whole series, I think he has one of the best, if not the best character arc in the whole series. Cause like, we know from the start, we're like, okay, Selena, Aelin gonna go on to do great things. Gonna have the big heroic moment. We, you know that going in and like, yeah, Manon's arc also is one that I love, but like Kale's specifically stands out to me just because it's like, I, I really relate to Kale a lot. Um, I, I grew up in a very small town and had a lot of like sheltered experiences growing up. Um, and as I came into adulthood and like went to college and like ventured out, I did some pretty hurtful things to people and like acted immaturely and stupidly, uh, based on like my own preconceptions of things. So like, I really relate to Kale and his story And I find so much hope in it that it's like, it's not where you start, it's where you end up. And it's that journey and taking the time to be like, I have done wrong. I have done harm. I need to do better than that in the future. And having the people like the Aelins, Selenas, the Irenes, the Dorians, the Adians to push you to realize that and having the people that are going to stick by you and be like, you need to do better. You need to choose your side. Um, and just like having the strength to grow through that instead of leaning back on it and reverting to that behavior. And making excuses and being right. like, this is just who I am. This is just because like, you don't know what I've been through. It's like, okay, a lot of people go through a lot of crappy yeah. stuff. That's not an excuse to be a crappy person. Right. Yep. And it's like taking ownership for that. And that's the one thing. You can say whatever else you want about Kale's character. You can continue to hate him. Whatever. But like you cannot say that he does not take ownership for the wrongs that he has done. 100%. Chelsea, you need to go pick Coleman up from the airport. I still have an hour. Okay, (laughs) but I was still excited for you. I was so excited. He did actually just text me and said he boarded his last flight. Oh, gosh. I'm so ready, man. It's fine. But. Cass, thanks for sharing all of your all of your thoughts with us. I'm so excited to record part two. I cannot wait for part two. Part two has some real bangers of lines, so I'm so excited. Uh, two. Part two, mountains and seas. 
I know. We're going from the God City. God mountains City? Mountains and seas. The God City. To mountains and seas. I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. So, so good. We'll be back in two weeks. With Cass. With yes. Cass and part two of Tower of Dawn. I'll be but. here. Cass, so in the good. meantime, do you have a special treat or anything you would like our listeners to snack on? Um... I don't have a food idea, but I have a beverage idea. You know what it is. Canada (laughs) Dry. Canada Dry. Both of them are holding cans of it up right now. I feel like ginger ale is an underappreciated drink, and I stand by that. Absolutely is. Big ginger ale fan. Absolutely. I did have one at Chelsea's. Amazing. And it was delicious and crisp. Perfect. Mm -hmm. It made me feel fantastic. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and it's so fetching hot here. Yeah. So I support drinking all the cold stuff. Yeah. It is, yeah. guys, it's 6, 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. on a Tuesday. It mm-hmm. is 117 degrees outside. Yeah, that tracks. Um, yeah. I would be I dead. I hate everything. I would literally I, be walking, dead. I, like, stood outside my car to grab stuff out of my passenger seat, and by the time I got inside, I was convinced I was sunburned. Like, mm-hmm. and it took five seconds. Yeah. It's just, it's a struggle. Okay, I support the the ginger ale. Okay, next week, we will be here for our annual Harry Potter episode. So Hey-o. we'll be talking about the third book. Very excited. Um, it'll be fun. But until then, everybody have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.